Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Wow, what a wonderful day to be able to welcome you again to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I also welcome you on behalf of my dear friend, Elder David Wise. And as our churches, which were advertised in the introduction, are open at 10.30 a.m. for worship every Sunday morning, we invite you to come to Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church or a Primitive Baptist Church in your area. We invite you to go to gospel-of-grace.com and find Frequently Asked Questions, a church locator, wonderful links, and the archived messages that we have preached on this broadcast before. We invite you to go and make use of that. And also, while you're there, send us an email and let us know that you're listening. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, we invite you to join with us every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at New Covenant Church, 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville, Mississippi. And we have a Starkville Primitive Baptist Fellowship meeting on the grounds of New Covenant Church, and we invite you to come and meet with us. And if you also will go to the Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, hit like, and uh, activate the notifications, you'll be notified of all of our live streaming of our worship services, and we invite you to join us anytime. Today, we have a series of messages that we are addressing a proper exposition of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 25. And after this hymn, we'll be right back with today's message.
Thank you so much for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel Grace Radio Broadcast. And I'm Joe Nettles, and I'm turned in my King James translation to 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, the command of the Apostle Paul uh, to Timothy, and to us by extension, is to rightly divide the word of truth. And here's a passage of scripture that so oftentimes is not, I believe, rightly divided. And if you take a text out of context and you don't compare scripture with scripture, then oftentimes you'll be led to an errant conclusion. And we don't want that regarding the word of God. The word of God is the uh, light unto our path and lamp unto our feet. And we just uh, want to be able to follow it. And we want more clarity and we want more light. So uh, in regards to that and in that effort, I would like to try to uh, exposit for you uh, on this broadcast today and possibly in a future broadcast, the uh, correct interpretation of First Peter chapter 1. And we will read verses 15 through 25. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever." And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now, as we look at this most wonderful passage of scripture in the New Testament, we see that Peter exhorts us to holy living. He says, as he which has called you is holy, be ye holy. So he exhorts us to holy living. But notice it's not as the means to acquire everlasting life, but as the emulating or the living in a way becoming of him who is already called the father of all those whom he himself has called, who have already received the spirit of adoption, whereby they cry, Abba, Father. What do I mean by that? I mean, he's encouraging you to live a holy life, not to gain everlasting life, but because you've been given everlasting life and you want to live in a way that pleases and emulates your father in heaven. Notice we read again from the quote, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. So what we must understand about the commands, the wonderful, righteous, uh, beautiful words that are about to follow, that this is to uh, from he which hath called you. And this is the command to be holy. It's people that have been called by the Lord. That call in the uh, New Testament, many, many places, including this uh, line right here, is referring to the effectual call. That means being brought out of the deadness 
and the darkness of your sins and being made alive in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is by the holy divine command or call of God. So we read again, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. And now verse, notice verse 17. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth uh, according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. You see, the only way you can call on the Father is because he, friends, by his spirit has already called you. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy. And if ye call on the Father, notice he says the Father. It's the Father to whom we call. Notice God is only the Father to his children. Uh, my dad James Ray Net was James Ray Nettles. He's living in glory right now. He's going to be with the Lord. But I only called him my father because he was my father. I didn't call on him for him to become my father. I called on him as father, as daddy, as what I called him, because he already was my father. I was born into the family with him being my father. And in like manner, friends, God is only the father to his children, and not all on this world are his children. Now, I know that's a very noxious statement to a lot of people under the sound of my voice who maybe have been told from pulpit uh, and uh, from uh, the traditions that have been handed down to them in their families that God is the father of all mankind. I remember years ago, I had two uh, gentlemen knock upon my door and they were trying to uh, evangelize me in the way of their religion. And they said very plainly that all of humanity are the children of God. And now it's left up to us to make the decision as to whether or not we actually uh, live in heaven or not. Uh, that's just not so, my friends, and we must believe what the Bible teaches. Notice in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 7 through 8, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Obviously, the Apostle Paul was writing this epistle to the Hebrews and was making it very plain that not all of humankind are the children of God, and he is not their father. How do we know that? Well, not only does the scripture tell us, but also we see that not everyone around us receives the chastening of God. They're living evil and wicked lives, unimpeded by any righteous moral uh, character that is placed within them by the Holy Spirit of God. So we see it according to scripture, and we see it in our daily activities. Notice in Romans chapter 9, verse 8, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. There the apostle Paul very plainly teaches the church at Rome that not all uh, uh, children on this earth are children of God. He said, some are children of the flesh. Uh, they're born in their carnal, rotten flesh, and they'll die in their carnal, rotten flesh. Well, who is it that we should consider accounted for the seed of God as be children of God? It's those who are, uh, receive the promise, those who uh, love the promise of God, that love uh, the covenant mercies of God, that love his being, that love to serve him, that love his salvation. Those are the ones that are counted for the seed. Uh, but there are many out there in this world who hate Jesus Christ and will always hate Jesus Christ. And these are the children of the flesh. 
In John chapter 8, the Lord Jesus Christ plainly told some of those rebellious and hateful Jews that were challenging him in that setting. In John chapter 8, he says, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which ye have seen with your father. So he wasn't speaking of their earthly fathers either. He was speaking here of Satan and the influences of Satan. In verse 41, he goes on, ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. See, Jesus is telling you exactly how the cow ate the cabbage. Jesus is being very plain to them and therefore to us today through his inspired and preserved word. There are some, and God is not their father. Verse 44, ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And then in verse 47, Jesus concludes, he that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. That means you do not emanate from God. You are not of the seed of God. You are not born of God. You are the children of the flesh. That was the obvious meaning of those passages of scripture that we just read. And even though that's a very unpopular take today, uh, most, Christ, most of Christendom would reject that. They would say it's not politically correct. It's not very, not, not very charitable. Friends, our charity should only go as far as uh, the charity of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ goes. And uh, I'm not saying we have the right to go around and point fingers at people and say, you are not the child of God. But it's a fact we know, my friends, we must accept and agree with what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches that there are people out here, that's right, human beings walking on this planet that are not the children of God. They're not now, nor shall they ever be. And notice in this uh, text that we've taken today, try to exposit from 1 Peter. Peter goes on to explain how this relationship came into being. How did he become your father? How did you become his child? Why is it you have a basis to live holy, to try to emulate your father? He goes on to explain how this relationship came into being. He points to Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as the Paschal or the Passover lamb. And it is his blood that redeemed. John the Baptist declared as much when he said, pointed to Jesus Christ and said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He didn't say, behold, the Lamb of God who's going to try a good work. Behold, the Lamb of God, I hope that you'll have him. No, he plainly declared, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, not of the entire universe or of the entire planet earth, but the world of his elect. All those, my friends, for whom he came to die. Notice in verse 18 of our text, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed, redeemed means to be purchased, bought with a price, bought back. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. You know, we look at that phrase sometimes, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, and we think automatically, negatively, we think, uh, this is uh, corruptible language that had been passed down from generation to generation. That's not what that alludes to, my friends. When he says, you've been redeemed not with corruptible things as silver and gold, 
from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, he's pointing to something that's actually good and holy and right. And he said, that's the law of God. Your fathers worship God in the law that he had given. And that was an appropriate way to worship him at that time. But now he's saying from this point of perspective, from this side of the cross, from this side of the resurrection, wherein he is writing these things, he says, thou, that is vain. That conversation or that manner of life is vain. And even though that tradition was holy and it was handed down from generation to generation among the children of Israel, he said, now there's vanity to it that you can't become the child of God. You can't have him as your father by doing good works and keeping commandments and law. He said, no, now that's considered a vain tradition. He said, but how are you redeemed? He goes on, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And I want you to keep in mind, there's a difference between the actual blood of Christ and hearing about the blood of Christ. There is a distinct difference between the actual blood that came forth from the veins of Jesus Christ, that perfect, holy Lamb of God, and you being taught about what that blood achieves, okay? The gospel declares what the blood achieves, but the blood was only shed 2,000 years ago at one time from the life and body of one man, and that man was Jesus Christ, and that blood that was shed bought, it purchased, it had purchasing and cleansing power. Therefore, all of the elect, known of God, uh, emanated from God before the foundation of the world in his mind and purpose, that blood is efficacious for them. We see in Romans chapter three, verses 24 through 25, we may ask, well, you know, the blood is only, somebody may say, well, the, the blood is only efficacious when I accept its effects into my life. That is absolutely unscriptural and you will not find it in the word of God, friends. What we find about the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses all of the elect, uh, that cleanses the children of Israel from their sins and delivers them from the judgment of death, just as that Paschal lamb did in times of old, that blood, my friends, is not because of anything that you've chosen or you've learned or you've performed. No, that blood, my friends, was determined for you. Uh, if you want to look at the type and shadow, if you want to look at the figure in the days in Egypt of old where the blood was put upon the posts and the door uh, lentil, I'm here to tell you, friends, that blood has been applied, purposed and applied solely by the work of God. And it is effective in Jesus Christ. And Peter points to that. It's precious blood. It's not like gold and silver. It's not even according to the law of God. I mean, it's not even... Uh, to be compared with the law of God, as righteous as the law is, he said it was not effective in doing what the blood does. But with the precious blood of Christ, that was of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Notice this blood is alluded to in Romans 3, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace. Being justified means declared just. You've been declared just. How have you been declared just before God? Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. What redeemed us? The blood. The blood. The suffering in the blood of Jesus Christ redeemed us. And now you're justified freely by his grace through that redemption that took place, was successfully completed 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. In verse 25, he says, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Somebody may say, well, ha ha, there we go. You see, you, sinner, have to have faith in that blood before that blood is uh, effective for you. That's not 
what is being taught there at all. He's saying God the Father set forth Jesus Christ to be the propitiation. That word propitiation there literally means the mercy seat. The place where the blood is sprinkled and sacrificed is made and accepted by God as in the holiest of holies in the tabernacle and temple service of old. He said God set forth Jesus to be a propitiation through God's faith in the blood of his son. God the Father trusted wholly, perfectly, and completely that the blood of his son Jesus Christ who willingly came into this world would be effective and would be enough to be the propitiation, to cleanse his elect from their sins to declare his righteousness for the remission, the forgiveness of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. See, in Romans chapter five, he talks about the blood. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood. That's past tense. That's a completed act. That when the blood was shed, it was seen acceptable by God the Father who set Jesus Christ forth to be the propitiation for our sins. Then, my friends, that blood has purchased us and we are now justified by his blood. Now, he says, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That's definitive. That's what the blood guarantees. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Notice, when it was effective, when you were enemies. That's when you were reconciled. Peace was made and the price was paid. So by the time you get to the point of loving that blood, loving that Savior, and desiring to be covered by that blood, friends, it's already too late. That blood already covers you and it's been effective for you ever since Jesus shed it because of the mind and purpose and the covenant mercies of God. Oh, friends, in Ephesians chapter two, notice this. But now in Christ Jesus, this verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh. How is it you've been called? How is it you've been brought forward into everlasting life? By the blood of Christ. You were far off. That means you were cast out. You were a bastard race. You were fallen in condemnation and sin and Adam. But child, elect child of God, good news is this. The blood that was shed has brought you nigh. The blood that was shed is the power by which you've been bought and cleansed. And I'll tell you, you've been brought in in a vital way, a living way by the spirit of God on account of it. He said, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. See, all of this is pointing at what Jesus did for us, not anything that we've done to make this a reality. And notice, he says, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. See, all of this is completed work by the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And now notice what he mentions after all of this is spoken of as accomplished and complete. Now he talks about preaching. Verse 17 says, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off and to them that were nigh. Are we to preach threatenings? Are we to preach uh, fear of hell is first and foremost? No, my friends. The peace has been acquired by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now we just go forward as preachers and we preach 
that good word. Notice in Hebrews, speaking about the blood. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify through the purifying of the flesh. There he's alluding to the red heifer sacrifice that was commanded under the law. He said, my Hebrew brethren, if you considered uh, the blood of common bulls and goats and the ashes of a burnt up heifer, you know, if you considered that somehow effective and sanctifying to the purifying of the flesh, he said, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Has that blood of Jesus Christ ever been offered to you, my friend, under the sound of my voice? No, it has not. That blood of Jesus Christ was offered by Jesus Christ through the eternal spirit unto God in heaven. It was never offered to you to apply to your own doorposts and lentil. No, my friends, the Paschal lamb was slain by the purpose of God. He did it for you and he did it effectively. And the Holy Spirit of God comes and applies the merits of that redeeming love and blood unto you when you're born again of the spirit of God. It's then and only then that you can hear the preaching of that finished work and it can be dear to you and near to you and you can see how that applies to you. Oh, my friends, don't get the cart before the horse. Hearing the good news of Jesus Christ doesn't cause it to be effective. No, hearing the good news of Jesus Christ proves that God made it effective for you. Oh, friends, we'd like to continue in this exposition of First Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 25. But I want you to understand, my friends, you are only the children of God because that precious blood is of a lamb without blemish and without spot was shed for you and it was offered for you through the eternal spirit by Jesus Christ unto God the Father and your debt has been paid. And it's then and only then that you can live a holy life. It's then and only then that you could see the joy and the value of a blessed life lived in a holy manner before God. It's then and only then, my friends, that you've been born again in the Spirit of God that you can ever live a life that would be honoring and accepting unto God. Oh, we'll carry on with this next time we speak with you. And until that time, oh, brothers and sisters, may you meditate upon that precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. God bless you. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. 
This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless grace of Jesus.